0: Sapnin! Sapnin! That's why I got kicked out of a band. That's why I've never been in a band. Sapnin! Sapnin!
1: Sapnin! You're listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You're listening to episode two of Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith. And me, Morgan Richards. And him, Morgan Richards. That's the one. <laughs> Before we start, I want to give a massive thank you to anybody and everybody who listened to episode one. Um, I know it was gloomy. I know it was a bit sad. Um,
0: It was a little bit emo, to be honest. uh,
1: But this episode, we've purposely made it about the good times I had in the blackout, uh, getting to travel the world, never going sightseeing, and getting to meet people I shouldn't have been allowed near. Yeah, that's a good description. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much for listening. I waffled on a bit in this one as well, so we're going to have to do a really short intro this week. Um, but we do appreciate you coming back. Oh, we really appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. I genuinely, I know I'm a sarcastic shit dad, but I genuinely do appreciate you listening to this, so mm. thank you very much. And um, Oh, one more thing before we go into the episode. Uh, last week's episode, I mentioned that I kind of got into Alternative Rock because... The South Wales market was kind of oversaturated by Stereophonics. uh, Making it sound like I don't like Stereophonics. It's not true. Big fan of Stereophonics. It's a Stereophonics story in this next bit. And I know Kelly, the singer from Stereophonics, is very upset with what I said.
0: Kelly Jones has been sending me messages on messages wanting to clear things up.
1: Yeah, so um, unless he comes on you, he's never going to get a say in. So Mm. Kelly, come on you or don't. Anyway, listen up to episode two of Sampling Podcast. Things got fun. Really enjoyed it. So, yeah, check this out.
2: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey.
0: So Sean, let's go all the way back. Tell me how it started.
1: Okay. Um well I was born in December. No no
0: no not that far, not that far. Not that far. The blackout, two thousand and three. Oh, okay. okay. That all right. band you used to be in. How um, did it start? How did you all meet? Well and I was other? gonna go
1: before that. How did it start? I was gonna say December twenty ninth, nineteen eighty three, Sean Smith was born. Okay. But if you go nine months back from then works out around about my mother's birthday. So I'm probably a drunken fumble that they didn't want. So the Black had started uh, in, I think, 2001, technically, maybe 2000. Snorz is the boy for this because he can literally remember every date, like to the minute. Um, But yeah, we started as a five-piece band. Um, It was me... Gavin Butler and his blue eyes, uh, Matthew Davis, Rhys Lewis, and Gareth Kevin Lawrence on drums. I was DJing and doing backing yelling. Gavin was singing because he's a great singer. Mm. Matthew's playing guitar, Reese's playing bass. Uh, it's not just playing drums, obviously. And then, um, yeah, our first gig was in Merthyr Tydfil in a place called RM's, which is now known as Punjabi Junction. Nice. Taken over and it's now an Indian restaurant. We should go back here really and see if we can get a gig. Yeah, a laugh. Um so yeah, we started under the name Ten Minute Preview. One of the worst names you've ever heard for a band. Um yeah, we took our name from the porn section of uh you know, like Bravo and Dave and oh, remember nice. all that back in the day. They'd have about eleven fifty, they'd have like a ten minute preview of the boobs and I you could see at twelve. So we were like, oh yeah, we're boys, we're like boobs, huh, we should call ourselves Terminal Preview. So you want to keep it classy from day one. Yeah, so you know, you know how I am, um, if you've listened to episode one, you know how I am as a person as well now, and you know I'm a class act, mm. so um, uh, yeah, we started, we played our first gig in that place called RM's, aka Punjabi Junction, and yeah, it was like 250 people turned up to see how bad we were. Because they were like... Oh, you yeah, really yeah. want to see how bad you were. Yeah, brother. because I'd been going on the rock club prior to that, you know, like I do. Mm. I don't know. And people obviously just see my head and go, oh, I want to punch out as hard as I can. So people came to the gig going, oh, they're going to be really, really bad. And I think we were moderate. I think we were five to six out of ten at our first gig. And I'm being really nervous. Um, yeah, I, there's photos somewhere. I'm sure one of the boys has got photos. I'll see if I can dig them out and I'll put them on the um, sapnin pod Twitter uh, at some point. But yeah, we played to 250 to 300 people who came to see us fail. We did okay. We did two of our own songs and we did three covers. mm we covered Fakes Under Progress by Lost Prophets, tune. We covered Counterfeit by Limp Biscuit, tune. Massive, to fit, unbelievable. And then we covered Dig in a Grave by Faith No More as well, which was mm. also good. Mm. Um, and yeah, that was our first ever gig. And the crazy thing is, the first ever gig we played, like I said, we did that Counterfeit by Limp Bizkit. Mm. Years later, the Blackout would go on tour with Limp Bizkit, and I wrote. Um, we were 12 days into the tour and they weren't playing counterfeit at all. So I wrote a letter and I know what it's like being in a band, having fans nagging you to play old songs. I ate it. So I knew that they'd probably ate it as well. But yeah. they've had it longer than us because they've been going like yeah. 10 years longer than us. So... Play the old stuff. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. No band wants to hear you say, I I, want, I like the old stuff. Play the old stuff. Especially when it's a really random track that you
0: never really played live anyway. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Someone's favourite for some reason.
1: So we were on the 12th date of this Limp Bizkit tour and I wrote a letter that said, I know it verbatim, because I remember like taking a photo of my, with my eyes after by like going, clink. Um, Dear Limp Bizkit... The blackout here, you might remember us from the previous 12 shows. Is there any chance... Oh, we've never seen you play the rock mosh anthem counterfeit live. Is there any chance you could even do it in rehearsal? If not, no worries. Thanks again for taking us on the tour. All I love, the blackout. So I walked to Mr Durst's dressing room and his massive security guard was sat outside. So I said, excuse me, could you please give this to... Fred, and he said, "Yes, and then I thought he's probably just scrubbed- scrub, red ass scrumpled it up and thrown it away. I wouldn't blame him, so we were sitting in our um dressing room in this Hamburg arena, and there was a knock on a door, and it was um Fred's assistant. He knocks the door and says, Um,lympu could like to see you downstairs, so I instantly yeah exactly in trouble. oh." so we get to the stage and I'm worried now because I'm like oh they're going to say oh come on now boys grow up fucking like our new stuff or whatever um, which is great love all stuff Couldn't, they can't do no wrong in my eyes um, and yeah so as we walk to the stage Fred said yeah we'll do counterfeit. Fit my face lit up and he said but only if you sing it so I was like <laughs> So, walked over with him to the monitor desk. They give me a wireless mic. They give Gavin a wireless mic. And Fred was like, right then, we'll go line for line. And he was like, he had an queue, right? So, in front of him, um, you know, you go, your monitors on the floor. Like, a lot of people, perhaps listening to this, do not even know what monitors are. But they're the speakers in front of the band that plays, you know, plays the music back to the band or whatever. But Fred Durst is going, right in the middle of his monitors, there's a TV with lyrics on, with like oh, an no old cue. Yeah. Really? But when you're in Limp Bizkit, right, and you've got 90 different hits, Okay, yeah. It's difficult to remember yeah. all the words, right? Okay. And I don't doubt he's partaken in the Devil's Letters before now, so he probably hasn't got a great memory. But anyway, he said, and this is cool, he said, Oh, if you need the words, the words are on the old man TV, because that's what he calls it. And me, like the absolute dickhead I am, didn't think... Literally stepped over the monitor, so I couldn't see the words anymore. I turned to him and went, I was born to do this.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. What a loser. What a lying, out of everything you could have said. Yeah. Not know other words, off my heart. Or, you know, yeah. now I know them.
1: Or oh, uh, oh, oh, maybe, like, yeah. I was born to do this, Fred. So we did it, right? And he said to me, right, don't get too drunk after you set tonight, because we'll do that live. So if you go to YouTube and type in the blackout, Limp Bizkit Hamburg, there's me singing with Fred Durst, well, with Bizkit, I can couldn't be more happier. And it was only after that that I realised I've just wrapped that Fred Durst in what I think is his voice. Hey man, wake up and smell like concrete. It's crazy, you change like the LB. He's got to be thinking, what the f... Like if somebody, if... Imagine if that was the other way around. Imagine yeah. him going, hey Sean... I want to do a blackout song. Well, not really, because I guess we kind of sang it in American accents as well. But, like, him coming up just doing an impression, like, mm. like, hey, what's going on, man? All right, buddy, how's it going? Like, that sounded Indian. My Welsh impression, despite being Welsh, <laughs> comes out very Indian. And, yeah, I just, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, I've just done his own voice, aren't I? It's like me doing Arnie to Arnie. Yeah. Arnie, you son of a bitch. Like, yeah,
0: you'd never self intentionally
1: do that, but, yeah, but, um, yeah, back to the original bit. How did we start? Yeah, 10-minute preview started. We played a couple of gigs. I think we'd done, we were together probably like a year or two. And then we met James Richard Davis, a.k.a. Bob. Um, And we met him in school, and he liked all the same music as us. And we got him involved. We We asked him to join. He was a guitarist. We thought things might make things easier for Matthew. Um, yeah, so we got Bob involved as well. Hmm. And uh, changed our name to The Blackout. And we um, we come up with that. One day we were sitting in my mother's house. We were like right down, what can we call ourselves? We had like a load of terrible name ideas in a hat. We literally pulled it out of a Go hat. Go
0: name them. What were some of these terrible names? A handful that was- of elements. Yeah?
1: <laughs> I think that was a song title in the end. Um, handful of elements. They were just literally sent. Remember when bands used to have sentences as names? Yeah, get
0: you know three part name. Yeah, yeah. taking back Sunday. Yeah, newfound glory from
1: autumn know. to ashes. Yeah. Um, escape the fate. Escape the fate. Uh, I'm still th- trying to think about uh, my anyway, chemical romance. My chemical, my chemical romance. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah. So we we were literally like. I remember seeing a T-shirt that said, I survived the blackout because it was um, in New York, I think in 2001 or something, they had a blackout that literally they lost power for a couple of days or whatever. And, and I was like, well, if we call ourselves a blackout, we've instantly got a T-shirt idea. Because <laughs> as you might have noticed from part one, I am constantly thinking about T-shirt ideas. Yeah, we got so, a good T-shirt. Um, yeah. So the blackout was in that hat. We picked it out. There it is. Boosh, the blackout then. Let's be called that. And then, um, yeah, we we went about our ways trying to take over the world, hmm. like Pinky and Perky, but more Welsh. Yeah, we recorded uh, our first EP with Ramesh Dodengoda, um, which is difficult to say. It's worse, it is. You, it's worse if you're drunk. Yeah, I can imagine. Recorded the first EP called "The Blackout." The Blackout. The Blackout.
0: Right? Is it true that you named it that because just, just off the off chance that it got on like a television advert or something, you'd have someone saying your name four four times?
1: Yeah. Basically, we just wanted to. We just thought how difficult it would be, or well, not difficult, but just how annoying it would be for like a voiceover actor Ooh. to be like the the debut EP from the Blackout called. The blackout, the blackout, the blackout. Just some in, some in daft, but well, basically, it's catchy. Yeah, but if you look at all of the song titles and the majority of our stuff, they're just jokes. They're all inside jokes hmm. or jokes that appeared on comedy series. And um, another trivia, another bit of trivia um, for blackout fans: all four of them that exist um, is if you check out the blackout, the blackout, the blackout CD case. Down the side, it says the blackout, the blackout, the blackout. No way. Because Gavin, who did the art for uh the blackout, the blackout, the blackout, misspelled one of the blackouts on the um like on the edge. What's that called? You're looking at a pile of CDs, it's, yeah, whatever that's called, the side of it. The black the blackout, the blackout. Yeah, there's a bit of trivia for you. We recorded that EP in Ramesh's parents' house. In his side room, he had a tiny little side room. There was half the size of this room. People can't see this room. (laughs) No, they can't. No. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was like half the size of this room, so like probably six foot by six foot if that. And, um, yeah, his his drums and his cymbals were nearly touching the walls. That's how small the room was. And, uh, yeah, we recorded that with Ramesh. And then and that's the early days, really. Yeah, that's the early really days. Does. Wait, no, no, we got. I think we got. Did we get signed before that? Yeah, we must have. Surely, if we brought out the black, the black, the blackout. Yeah, I think we had we had some demos going round, and we had um, uh, a label called Fierce Panda, who were an indie label at the time. I think Coldplay brought something out on them early on, and a lot of other indie bands. Art Brute, brought some stuff out on them, and. They came to see us playing Colchester Twist, which is, uh, I remember it being a horrible venue. And yeah, they wanted to sign us. So we signed the Fierce Panda, brought out the Black of the Black of the Blickout. And then as soon as we brought that out, they were like, right then, cool, we want another album. And we were like, Ugh. bear in mind, it's just taken us like f- three years, we or whatever we've been together. That's the best sick, uh, collection of six songs that we've got at the moment. Some of them were even like parts of songs. so It wasn't mm. even like songs. Um. So Fierce Bander, yeah, wanted an album straight away. So we had like six months to write an album and oh. that's how We Are the Dynamite came about.
0: So that's the early days. And as you mentioned, from the first gig already, playing some covers and then going on to really tour with some of those bands, and meet some incredible heroes. I'm sure looking back at that
1: now, that's just a mind-blowing thing. Oh, it's completely mental. It's absolutely insane. In Like, the first the first album I ever bought was Use Your Illusion 2 by Guns N' Roses, right? And that was because it had a parental advisory sticker on the front. And back in those days, you didn't have the internet, you, you didn't have access to... Rude literature, so reading the word "fuck" and stuff like that was was rare. It was mental. Like, so I remember buying an album on the back of the parental advisory sticker, thinking, "Oh, it's got the lyrics in, it's got swearing, it's rock and roll, it's scary." Because, like, I remember being a kid, like you'd always think that like rock and roll is dangerous and stuff mm. like that. So, I bought that album in Woolworths in Merthyr Sidville, which is no longer there. It's a and ms now. Um but get it sh- it with a pick
0: and mix as well? Or?
1: It wasn't far from the pick and mix actually. You have to walk okay. past the pick-a-mix to get the to, to, tapes. Tapes, mate. Tapes. People listening to this might not even know a tape. No, surely they do. Um, yeah, so tape. Guns and Roses, Use Illusion 2. Fast forward to 2013, maybe? We're doing Soundwave Festival in Australia. And the cool thing with Soundwave is... The Majority of the bands all fly together on like two mm. chartered airlines. So, if those planes go down, that's the end of rock for a there's good no reason. There's no
0: more bands yeah. available
1: ever. Like, oh. we were doing it and we were flying, and it was like us 30 seconds to Mars. Um, uh, Zach de la Rocha from Rage Against the Machine was there. Oh, wow. uh, Dragon Force, This Is Hell. Uh, just loads and loads of bands. I I go, Death Havana, some 41, Demur Boga, like, f- people from all genres. Yeah. And they were just hanging out. It was insane. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, we're in Australia, here's Sunway Festival. And, um, I'm a big fan of wrestling. Uh, I'm more of a fan of wrestling now than I've ever been. Same with me. And, um, our sound guy at the time, Ben, said, oh, Chris Jericho's doing a spoken word tonight with Scott Ian from Anthrax. Would you like to go? And I said, yes, Ben, of course I'd like to go. So we meet outside the hotel in Melbourne at like half bus 7, get in the back of this van. And I was like, is that it then, Ben? ask you, the driver, and he was like, oh, no, waiting for one more. Next minute, the one more turns up. Sits between me and my best friend, Scott. Stuff Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses, right? And he says to me, Hiya, boys. What part of Wales are you from? And I said, Oh, just a small town that's 30 miles north of Cardiff. And he said to me, No, where are you from? And I said, Just north of Cardiff. You probably... He said, what's the town called? So I said, Merthyr Tidville. And he said oh, have you heard of Merthyr Tidville? And I went, shut up, you liar. And he said, yeah, I've read a book called Dilemma for Merthyr. And that blew my mind. So then we start talking, and I blurt out that the first album I ever bought was Usual Illusion 2 because it had a parental advisory sticker. And Duff turns to me and says two sentences that were great. One was, that's the exact same reason I bought my first album. He told me he bought some record where on the front, there's a guy and he's like at a record label and on the back and he's smashing, smashing the record label office up or whatever. And he had a parental advisory sticker. So that's why he bought it. And the second uh, sentence, he turned to me and said, what songs are on user illusion 2 And I was like, that's insane. Imagine doing an album that good. And that's Look Down Pond. Like a lot of people don't like that album, but I love it. But imagine doing that album and being like, oh, I don't remember it.
0: That's incredible. The fact that he doesn't even know what his own music was.
1: He hasn't got a clue. Um, What a lovely chapel. Absolutely. Like, that night made me want to be a better person because I'd met him. And when you meet someone who's in Guns N' Roses, right? One of the biggest bands of all time. Mm. And he's just a nice fella. Why can't everyone be a nice fella? Do you know what I mean like yeah. why? No, it's true. I'm from Merthyr Deadville. like automatically I should just be a nice fella compared to him because I'm lower down the run than him. But um, yeah, he was absolutely amazing to us. He ended up touring. Um, for people that don't know, my brother Jay uh, tours with bands, uh, tour managing, driving, doing merch or whatever and he ended up working with Duff, and now he's in Duff's autobiography. That's nuts.
0: What a crazy world. Crazy, crazy world of rock and roll and festivals and meeting your idols. Yep. But going back to the Limp Biscuit thing, of course, that must have been <laughs> a massive thing because I actually understand that, or well, I've heard anyway, that apart from that Guns and Roses album, that one of the first really tracks that got you into really heavy stuff was hearing Fred do swear a billion yep. times on a record.
1: Yeah, Hot Dog. Um yeah, that song when he goes, if I say fuck two more times, there's 46 fucks in this fuck. Bro, when I was a teen, that blew my mind. I was like, what? You can swear and yell. Ah! Fuck! There's two things I can do. Yeah. Bro, there's a career in this for me or some in. And then somehow I made a short career out of it. But I made a career, like like, it blows my mind. Just, and then, yeah. I've literally met all of my musical heroes and I haven't got a bad word to say about any of them. Yeah? Yeah. It's mad. It's it's insane. Like people say, oh don't meet your heroes, you're gonna hate it. My heroes growing up were Fred Durst, Darl Plumbo from Glasgow, uh Pharrell, uh Guns N' Roses, Stereophonics. Like I've met all those bands, and they've all been fantastic. Not one dick, like. Hmm. You thought one of you the odds, the odds of one <laughs> of them being a dick, you'd think. Yeah, you'd think should. Fred Dursa would be a dick.
0: Yeah, I should have had a bet on that, really.
1: Couldn't have been nicer to oh. us. But I sometimes wonder if Fred was nice to us because someone has said, oh, look, proper fanboys, mind Proper fanboys. I we walked into the first venue. Sorry to keep, I've got, just. I love Limp Bizkit so much, I've got stories for days. Yeah, we walked into the first venue on our Limp Bizkit tour. Limbisket with sound checking on stage, and it was us six, their sound guy, and them on stage in this aircraft hangar of a venue. And at the time, my Twitter picture was me with blonde hair, with like blood coming down my face from um, a gigged in where I'd smash myself in the head until I started bleeding. I just
0: thought that was a normal Friday night for you. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, sometimes. Sometimes, but it, this one was at one of those popular rock concerts.
0: Oh, okay. I've heard of, I think I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: First thing, as we walk into the venue, and we were at the very back of the venue, we walk in, Fred sees my blonde hair and says, um, Hey, man, I love your Twitter picture. I was like, boys, 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 He knows me. He knows who I am. <laughs> it was literally the happiest moment of my life. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah well, this
0: is much more cheery than the... Episode 1 interview. Are you feeling it?
1: Well, yeah, we're talking about happy good things. good times good I times. had, good not times. the most miserable time of my life no. when
0: my five friends left me oh. Come on, come on. Back, back, yeah, back, to, to, back the happy, to the good stuff. Come on, we've done and that. Going back, obviously, you mentioned the really start, but one thing I think a lot of fans really got into about the band is the fact that you didn't really take yourselves too seriously away from music, especially poking fun at yourself and trying to have jokes in song titles and even just little things where I believe Riot was actually going to be about Billy Piper, the actress (laughs) from
1: Doctor Who. Well, all right, here we go. Right. So basically, this is how we write, right? Like all great musicians like Mike Patton, etc. when it comes to writing vocals, I do noises first, right? So like if I'd got an idea for a melody, rather than write out words for that melody, I'll just sing the melody until words fit there and then we'll, you'll write the mm. song about it that way. With the song, I'm a riot, you're a fucking riot, I had a vocal that just happened to be, I like Piper, I like Billy Piper, right? And that fit, I, fit, <laughs> I like Piper, I like Billy Piper, which then slowly transformed into, I'm a riot, you're a fucking riot. Um, yeah, so that's how the Billy Piper thing came about. But... Um, The actual song title, I'm a Riot, You're a Fucking Riot, is from a comedian called Dane Cook. And he has a special out, which I believe was CD only. You can get it on YouTube. And the intro to his set is called Riot. And it's about him breaking up with a crowd, seeing a younger, sexier crowd. And then he meets up again with a crowd, and they start a riot. And... uh, yeah, they start kicking off and smashing things. I've ruined the joke now. And then Dane Cook, someone says to Dane Cook when he's telling jokes, you're a riot. And he's like, I'm a riot. You're a fucking riot. On about everybody kicking off. But um, yeah, so there's jokes and song titles and lyrics that are just from TV shows yeah. and from our comed- favorite comedians of the time.
0: But are you quite proud of that in a way where especially I think a lot of those other bands around those time took, themselves maybe too seriously.
1: And Everyone in a band takes themselves too seriously.
0: But there was some elements that you guys loved to poke fun of each other, even on stage, but kept the music Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: We, 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 yeah. When you listen to the music, most of it isn't jokes, like joking, oh, yeah. like it's, it's serious music, but it either had song titles or lyrics that were taken, not taken, but used from comedies or things we liked or films. Or sentences one of us had said, like the song "Prepare for a wound." How do you prepare for a wound?
0: No idea. No
1: I'm not idea. telling you where it's coming. in. I'm not telling you where the wound is going to be. Just prepare for one. How would you do that? <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's loads of song titles that are just yeah.
0: Isn't going to. Uh, we're going to hell to so bring the sunblock from. That's uh, uh, what's it. Called? Um, entourage,
1: Entourage, Ari Gold says it. We're going to hell to bring the sunblock um you're something people don't know the lyric in children of the night this isn't love this is war <laughs> i saw that i i love it i love the lyric the first person that made me aware of those words in that order was tv scum winder upper jeremy kyle this is not love this is war and he probably said, put something on the end of it then, <laughs> like he does in every episode where he's shouting at somebody who's got somebody pregnant. Probably, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's loads of things in loads of Blackout songs that are like Easter eggs, I suppose. Ooh. I wish people would... Dig them all up. And yeah, dig them up. Make a list. And... There's a song called You and Your Friends Versus Me and the Revolution, mm. which is taken from a Dave Chappelle skit um, about... Prince, when Dave Chappelle goes and hangs out with Prince. And he goes back to Prince's... Oh, no, it's Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy goes to hang out with Prince. And um, Prince decides that he wants to play Charlie Murphy and his friends in basketball. So he goes, how about you and your friends versus me and the revolution? And it's in that skit. And, um, yeah, I heard that, and I was like, I'm having that. That's brilliant. And, yeah, there's loads of different things and different songs that are from different funny things that we like as well
0: and going back to really starting off with the band of course you mentioned going to the first ep then the record label really wanting the first record from you straight away yeah in those early days even though you were signed you were doing a lot of things off your own back getting your own tours yeah especially going on the road with lost profits as we've mentioned in the previous episode just how much work did you guys have to do as really an unsigned kind of band and put that extra effort into getting tours and promoting yourselves?
1: Um We we work quite hard, but I think it always seemed like it wasn't work to us though. Like like we've grown up with like parents and grandparents who like worked on the mines and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like worked. Like proper work like to me that's work, right? I've never worked in my life really like compared to that. So For us to be in a band, like, we were just happy playing. There was gigs. We did a gig in Cardiff Barfly once where the moment we went on stage, the sound guy, who was the only person in the room, went. Just went outside. And we were like, oh, just us then. Just us. But it was a practice. To me, me, well, to us, it seemed like, oh, practice we're getting paid for then. Yeah. So we're getting, like, 30 quid for this. Yeah. Just to hang out and. We scream can, at each other, basically. Yeah, we yeah. can do whatever we yeah. want. We don't have to sing the songs. <laughs> There's nobody here. We could do whatever. <laughs> We've got microphones. We could just do... Just tell jokes. Yeah, is, yeah, we could do stand-up sets back and forth. We could do impressions. We could host a game show. Like We did another gig where... Similar similar thing. Um, somewhere left, but left his dog here. We played to a dog. No. Blackout, I, I played a gig to a dog. The dog didn't appreciate that. <laughs> That's uh, amazing. What kind yeah. of dog was it? Like a collie. Yeah. Might have been like a mut, like a collie mixed breed or collie and Jack Russell. Wonder collie I... Jack. Collie, ja- <laughs> collie Jackson. Hey. I win the fat dogs last night. about one night. I would. Yeah. Yeah. Well, imagine it. Imagine if you were a dog. No, your owner's just left you. So you're instantly scared. Oh, fuck! Where's he gone? He's the one who gives me food every week. He's the one who's managed to convince me that I should stay with him. Bagger, he's gone. Oh my God what's this what's this big Welsh blonde idiot yelling at me for? I've done nothing I'm just oh, it'd be terrifying as a dog absolutely terrifying um but yeah, it's it never really seemed work to us to be honest hmm. or me perhaps I'm, perhaps I'm speaking for everybody else, but um, yeah, perhaps it's work for them because I probably did less because uh I know one for carrying stuff, but um. Yeah, it wasn't work. That's the thing. You, I'm sick of reading magazine covers, right, where bands are going, this album nearly killed us. Mm. Didn't, did it? Unless it fell off a shelf. Unless you've ordered 3,000 of them to sell your gigs, and they've fallen on you, getting out of the van, the record has nearly killed yeah, you. Now, it. that would be a good story. Yeah. It. Imagine that. How did the black, have split up? Oh, Sean died. Did he? How? Oh. Uh C question him to death. Oh, fair enough. I thought it would have been some sort of weird sex thing. Um But yeah, I just so sick of bands like, Oh, this is this is so tough and Alright, cool, you're not getting paid as much as, you know, a standard job, but you're playing around the world to people mm. who just want to see your whole band, like. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like my main thing every time I went on stage I was like, I can't believe like one person singing the words back to me. Let alone however many you that know the words. Like it just blowed, blows my mind. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's not a job. I don't think we had to work hard. We did play for three years to like nobody. Then we got a break with Lost Profits and they took us on tour and then Yeah, the rest as you is history, I guess. Mm. But And
0: going in chronological order. The next thing after that really was the best in town. Flew all, all the way over to America to Oof. record that with Jason Perry. Yeah, that's an album that's really seen as probably one of your biggest, the best, it's safe to see. the best, the best, um, the best.
1: Everybody says it's the best. So talk to us
0: about what you really remember about that really period of time, and then seeing all the reaction of those songs hitting out and being able to tour even bigger okay. arenas and. Well we'd done a couple
1: three. of um we'd done a couple of demos for the best in town prior to us going to record it and we'd been dropped by Fierce Panda by that point. Did we get dropped or did we leave? I think we got dropped. And so we didn't have a record label at the time. And then we went and we knew Jason Perry through um being in A, being in rock band. Hmm. Hopefully, He'll be a guest at some point on you, Jason. So, um, yeah, I'd love to have him on. He's got some brilliant stories. and He's got a great voice. Um, yeah, we knew Jason through being an A and that he'd recorded McFly and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were headlining the Astoria in London at the time and we'd just, um, just been dropped by a label, so we were unsigned. We were one of four. The Blackout are one of four unsigned bands to ever headline and sell out the Astoria. In London. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. It's no no longer there. Yeah. Because they knocked it down well, because at, they at were trying.
0: No one else can be added to that list, I guess. That's, so, that's true, yeah.
1: yeah. But yeah, we were one of four unsigned bands. Um The bands are n- great names. Ned's Atomic Dustbin. Real band. Well. Enter Shikari, Mm. Right? We all know him, the way. And The Darkness. Oh, oh yeah, okay. So, and The Blackout. So. Good mix. Two of their bands. And then Shikari and (laughs) and, uh, Ned's Atomic Dustbin. And, um, yeah, we were playing Astoria, so we invited Jason down to come and see us because we wanted him to work on our next record. And he came down, and we played Children of the Night that night, a completely different version of us on record. So if you can find that on YouTube, it's a completely different version. And he said to me, Oh, I love the bit where you go, We are the children of the night. We are the children. You should make more of that. It should be the chorus. And I was like, oh, I did try to do that. But then we all thought it was too much or whatever. And he's like, no, I can't get enough of it. So we were like, right then. Let's work with this guy. He's cool. He's a great songwriter. We've heard the McFly stuff. We've heard, you know, other stuff he's produced. And it's all great. Um, Let's work with him. So I remember the first time he came down to do pre-production with us, that's when a band and the producer get together to go over the songs and see if there's any bits that can be changed to be made better or catchier or whatever. And we had practice playing A's hit, nothing, before he came. <laughs> so when he turned up, oh, wow. he was like, right then, boys. Right then, boys. Let's hear these songs. Uh, so we went, ah. Oh, we got this song, but it's, it's nothing really. And then we literally played nothing to him and he laughed. And uh, we could just see from then on, like there's videos again on YouTube of the Blackout album diary from the best in town. The first one is us meeting Jason in pre-production and we just got on like house on fire. He got us, we got him. He became the seventh member of the Blackout, really. We fell in love with him. And then he said, I've got a up with a studio in El Paso, Texas which is right on the border of Mexico. And um, and Valentine had just recorded there. And did we want to go and do it? So we went out to Texas to record The Best in Town, and it was amazing. We shot loads of guns. The owner of the studio would turn up every day dressed as like four different people, right? So he'd have like a child's hat on, mm-hmm. a blazer like he was going to a business meeting, tiny shorts and then shoes. So you'd be like, that's four different outfits. Choose yeah. choose what you're doing today. Are you going to business meetings? Are you pretending to be a child? Are you sitting by the pool? Or are you going dancing And that, then
0: shoes? It sounds like he's had, he's got a busy day of all four of those things. Yeah, he's yeah. had to cram his outfit into one. Yeah. So he's ready to go for a...
1: But then we sp- started speaking to him. Tony, his name is. Uh, and he owns Sonic Ranch Studios. And he... He turned up one day with 12 guns, right? And I said, oh, is this all of your arsenal? And he said, it's not even a quarter of it. Right, so that's... 12, 24, 48. That's 48 guns, right? Four guns. For a man with two arms. Hmm. Are you firing all them, bro? You're not. No. You're not. Let's go real long middle finger, and he puts it across all of the triggers. Ah! Like ah, uh. Um... Yeah, so we went out to El Paso, we recorded Best in Town, well we recorded all the music to the Best in Town in El Paso, and then we came back from El Paso and recorded the vocals in Essex, in a uh, former stables Um, in that had become practice rooms, it was freezing cold, literally recorded some vocals in a parka jacket, like with a scarf around my neck. Um, so it's quite the contrast to go from El Paso where it was boiling, yeah, to just, Essex with it's freezing, but cheaper, isn't it?
0: Yeah, just a little bit.
1: Um, yeah, so we did that album with Jason, and we loved it. We loved all the songs. If you go back and have a look on the YouTube of the making of that album, you can see in all of us that we're having the times of our lives, and Jason just helped that exponentially. Like he's, I've told him this. He's been one of the biggest. Role models of my life, really. Like, you know, he was in A, because by then, like, A had parted ways or whatever. He'd been a big rock star. He'd done all the stuff that I'd wanted to do. And he was a nice guy. And he was great at what he did. And he was just lovely. So, yeah, he was played a big part in me becoming who I am today, I guess. Mm. Um, but, yeah, we did the best in town. It came out. People enjoyed it. Um, we did have one major label, I think, who listened to it and said, yeah, if you can give us two more singles. And we were like, eh, no, just listen to that album. It's, yeah. rock, it's rock enough. They wanted like really poppy songs, I think. Yeah, okay. They wanted like two big pop songs too. But yeah, we signed to Epitaph, which has been my favorite label that we've ever signed to. Mm. Everyone A is lovely. All Epitaph Europe were beautiful to us. They're all great people. Um, but we did go out to LA to meet Brett Gurwitz, who's the head of Epitaph, and he was too busy for us. He was too busy mixing the Rancid CD. Um, Casual. to me, doesn't really need much, much mixing, <laughs> does it? Because the more flu sound, the more punk it is, surely. Yeah. And um, But yeah, um, yeah, we signed to Epitaph. They put our record out. We loved it. People loved it we got to go to LA to record Children of the Night and save ourselves videos nice we did both of those in 20 hours in one place
0: ooh that's a bit
1: yeah tiring very tiring mm, yeah. in hours
0: cramming all that into one day must have been a bit
1: yeah we stayed in the mondrian hotel which if you look it up is quite a really nice hotel um how we were allowed to stay there i don't know um so yeah, we stayed at the Mondrian. We went to the place opposite, which I believe is called Katana, which is a sushi restaurant. And our manager was like, I'll get this, boys. And we were like, yes, thanks, John. And he went, oh, we've just spent £1,000 on sushi, and they won't take my credit card. And we were like, oh, <laughs> it's coming out of the band credit card. Aww. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, yeah, where we recorded Save Ourselves and Children in the Night was where... Take It Back Sunday recorded Make Damn Sure. Oh no you way! You know the one where he's jumping about, yeah, falling yeah, in yeah. the wind. That that literal silver, big silver room was like the back, the back end of one oh, of videos. That. Yeah, that's amazing. Um Yeah, so that that album really escalated us to new heights, I think, um, and really made us kind of a headliner, I guess. Because kind of before that, we had we had the dynamite, but I think we were just like a really good support band. But then once we had those other songs, that was it. There was no stopping us. We read. Like it, that. it
0: made you into a kind of headlining and have a name behind you kind yeah. of band.
1: Yeah, it felt, yeah, felt like it kind of made us more of a serious band, like yeah. a genuine band rather than me just laughing going, oh, I can't believe we're doing this.
0: In the last episode, we talked a lot about Hope. We talked a lot about Start the Party and Wolves. So I feel there's no really point going back over those again, but in a couple of those records, you had a lot of features. Yeah. I'm able to work with a lot of artists from Josh Winchresky of You Me at Six.
1: Yeah. Well, technically... The Hero. Technically, it was all of You Me at Six. Is it? Yeah. Because when we were doing... That's on The Best in Town, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, this um, is why we can't have nice yeah, things. Yeah, this is why we can't have nice things, yeah. Joke title. Um. Yeah, we were recording at a studio... We were recording. We were finishing up some vocals, I think, in a studio. We'd left Essex. We'd gone a red in to Red into a guy called John Mitchell's studio, outhouse Studios, and I believe Yumi and, and Six were recording there at the same time. Like they were recording in the studio studio bit, and we were recording in kind of John's vocal booth area. And we were like, we just sang out with them, and we were like, "Well, do you want to come sing on a song?" And they were like, "Yeah, of course, yeah." So Josh came and did like the main vocal on it, and then the bit where it breaks down after the middle eight. We go, oh, don't get It sounds like a load of Londoners. Yeah, <laughs> when it sounds like the cast of EastEnders <laughs> of running. Oh, don't get what you're thinking. Um, yeah, that's all of you 6, Okay, uh, me and Gav, because the rest of the Blanco yeah. Boys I don't, don't know if they were there at the time. Um, we had that. We had Hyro, who came about because when we were recording Higher and Higher, I rapped the Fresh Prince. Yo, back up now, give a brother room. fuse is lit, I'm about to go boom, yeah. bit over the middle. And Jason was like, that's brilliant, can we do that? And I was like, I think Will Smith might have a yeah, problem. M- yeah, it might be taken. He might sue us. Hmm. And he was like, oh, do you know any rappers? And I said, um, well, Dan Carter, your former bandmate. Um, he knows of a rapper called Hiro he's just put me in touch with, who, who I love. So messaged Hiro, got him on a song, he sent the song back, we were blown away by it. Yeah, amazing. Here's another Ooh. thing people didn't know. Also on The Best in Town, top of the world, the second verse, we were trying to get Hayley from Paramore to do. Oh, really? Yeah, but she was apparently too busy at the time. Oh. Um, also, here's another bit we were meant to have. In the middle of Children the Night, if you ever listen carefully, there's like... Like crazy percussion. Jason put that in because I had previously... The summer before, I'd met Pharrell. Pharrell Williams. Okay, yeah. Like he needs a surname. You weren't, yeah. Pharrell Jones. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I, met, I met Pharrell. What Pharrell? Oh, you know, Pharrell uh, Gregory. I met Pharrell, right? The, ha- the happy one. The happy, very happy, yeah. And I said, oh, you're really happy. You should write a song about that. And he said, oh, yeah, I probably will one day. Mm. I, I don't know what's, what's happened to him. But um, I'd met Pharrell, so we'd exchanged numbers. How mad of that is a sentence. I got Pharrell's number in my phone and I text him. and Shall I relay the old Pharrell story? People are going to want to, people might want to know. I don't know. I like it. So basically, we got offered to do five dates with Linkin Park one summer and they were in Greece, Latvia, Lithuania, uh, Germany, and one was in Spain, I think, in a bull ring. Where wow. nobody expect, expects to ever play a bullring but I did um, and yeah we were on tour so we were doing the the line up for the Munich show was Linkin Park headlining him the band not just a man him the band um, uh, NERD Nobody Ever Really Dies Pharrell's band the used the blackout right So I love NERD, I love Pharrell and couldn't believe that we were playing with them. It was only one date they were on that we were on as well. So I watched them from the side of the stage, NERD, and I said to the boys, oh, let's go up the front, let's try and get down to the security barrier. We sit on the barrier, we can watch up. So we were sitting there, singing along, just grooving along. I love NERD, one of the greatest party bands of all time. And Pharrell talks to his security guard. Next minute, his security guard jumps off the front of the stage, jumps down, walks up to us. And bear in mind, this man is like a giant black triangle, right? His shoulders are twice as wide as I am, and his waist is skinnier than mine. He comes down, massive fella, and he goes, Pharrell wants to know if you guys want to get on a stage. (laughs) And I went, trying my best not to laugh in this man's face because he could crush me. He could literally make literally me... Literally with one finger, probably. He could smash yeah. down on me and make me 2D, Yeah, right? Got on stage. This is a video that's on YouTube as well. It's a video of me dancing, dancing with NERD on stage. Oh, Pharrell right. comes okay. over. Yeah. yeah. You know. So after the gig now, we're sitting backstage, me and Gavin on a settee and our dressing room's next to NERDs. And Pharrell comes out and sits between me and Gavin, right? And we like, This is mental. My brother's behind Pharrell the whole time going, look at his watch. Pointing at his (laughs) wrist. Look at his watch. Looked at his watch. He had a G-Shock watch covered in diamonds, right? Oh. So I start talking to Pharrell, and he's telling me how much he loves nine-inch nails and stuff like that. Yeah. That's things you don't expect, isn't Mm. it? And he was producing some rapper who had uh, had some nine-inch nails. He beats or something like that, he said. And then he said, oh, we're playing um, a small show later for, I think it was MySpace. So it shows how long ago it was. And we're playing a 300 capacity show in Munich. Do you want to come along? We were like, yep, yep, definitely. He's like, okay, cool. Give my tool, give my two manager your name, but there and how many you need. All right, cool. So we end up going to this gig after the show. Turn up on the door. Sean Smith plus 10, please. Yep. Walk straight in. We're in this tiny gig now. It's like 300 capacity room. Bear in mind, any idea got two drummers. right? You couldn't fit two drummers on a stage, but no. they managed it. We walk in. We're just there then waiting for the gig. Pharrell's two manager comes over and is like, oh, Pharrell doesn't want you out yet with the audience. He wants you to come backstage. <laughs> so we went backstage, right? And it's a tiny, tiny backstage. And... Um, for, I was like, oh, thank you ever so much for coming. I can't believe you came. And I was like, no, I can't believe you invited me, so, yeah. bro. This is meant, he was like, oh, I can't. we're from totally different worlds. And I. it means so much to me. You appreciate my band. And I was like, you stupid bastard. Yeah, You're forever. incredible, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so watched them. Matthew Davis, the white dust member of the blackout, right, got stuck backstage in the dressing room. We'd all left to go and watch the show from the side hmm. of the stage. NERD and their four security guards had a prayer circle. Right, so Matthew Davis, the white dust, non religious uh, atheist, is now in a prayer circle with Pharrell, Chad, Hugo and uh, all the security of NERD. no way yeah backstage and um, yeah it did a prayer with them then they went out on stage killed the show absolutely amazing then after the show I said to Pharrell oh I think I'm project revolution that's what it was called I said oh I think I'm coming to the London show we're not playing it but I'll be there and he was like oh cool take my number and I was like ha, ha, ha. I've done this to people you're gonna give me the wrong number <laughs> So he gave me a number, and I was like, all right, he gave me a fake number. Fair enough." But it was nice of him. He's, yeah, he's humoured me. Unbelievable! Didn't never thought it would happen. So as we leave the gig, I text him, and I'm like, "Oh, thanks for having us. Means the world. You're so nice. Can't believe you're so humble. Awesome to meet you." He texts back saying, um, "I can't believe you like my band. Thank you very much for liking my band. I'll see you soon." So cut cut to a couple of months later. Any idea playing in London Roundhouse? I text Pharrell saying, Oh, I'm in Cardiff, but I have a good show tonight in London. Shame I can't be there. Get a phone call then off um Pharrell's assistant. And he's like, Oh, Pharrell wants you to come to the show. And I was rehearsing at the time in Cardiff with a blackout. And he Yeah. So for he was like, Pharrell wants you to come to the show. And I was like, Oh, I'm three hours away. And he was like, Okay, cool. Well the show starts at nine if you're three hours away You should be here by eight Because he was like five at the time And I was like Bro I can't just I've been <laughs> <Don't> summoned <yet. laughs> I've been summoned by Pharrell By another man And he um, All the black boys are like "Well, You've got to go Yeah, You've got to go So me and Bob drove up Watched the show He somehow spotted me in the crowd Saluted me We went backstage We were waiting by his dressing room And he came out And he was asking about the band He said Oh what are you up to now And I was like Oh we're just about to go to El Paso To record our um, second album, and he was like, "Let's do something together." And I said, "Honestly, now, bro, you don't have to. Just you don't have to say these things. Like, mm. yeah. don't don't <laughs> don't give me the idea that something this amazing yeah. could happen. Don't toy with my heart. Yeah, basically. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Don't do that to me because you don't. You've done enough. Like you've <laughs> you've been nicer than I ever expected, bro. You had someone summon me to the like. This is <laughs> mental." Yeah. and um, Sounds like something Prince would do, really. Yeah. yeah. So we were going to, um, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he was like, seriously, now let's do something. I'd like to do a song together. I was like, I don't even think he's heard he us. This is mental. So when it came to doing the best in town mm. um, with Children of the Night, if you listen to that middle bit, it's dum dum like on the drum thing. Because Jason was like, we have to put like a drum section in. It's crazy because he likes all crazy rhythms and stuff like that. And we were gonna have Pharrell do a we are the children of the night, we are or like go into a rap basically hmm. at the end of the end, but like have a build up and just have him yelling because nobody's you'd yeah, yet. Pharrell, for 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 Yell For <laughs> Yell Yell Um Yeah, so I messaged him at the time and his girlfriend had just gone into labour. Oh, no so way. he literally just had a kid. The two weeks we were in El Paso oh. for recording, so he—I um, don't think he could do anything. That could also be his way of fobbing me off. Mm. But he has had—he did have a kid that exact well. time as mm, well. Yeah. Um, Should have named it Sean in Rayon, You know. Well, I, I don't know what it's called. It might be it might be yeah. it might be yeah. Sean. Middle name. Sean Middle Smith Williams. Williams. Mm. Sean Smith Happy Williams. <laughs> I believe that's what Pharrell's Euro. kid's name. Um, yeah, so that yeah. is interesting. Yeah. But speaking of guests yeah. you've had, as you mentioned. That's isn't... how
0: we got, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> carry on, sorry. <laughs> you, you've you mentioned to me before that there's a, quite a lot of guests you had built up that you couldn't get on. I believe on Start the Party,
1: you were supposed to have Andrew WK. Yeah, we tried to get Andrew WK. We were meant to have Wes Boland yeah. from Olympus Skit. He was going to. Um... And Jason Butler as well? Jason mm-hmm. Butler, we asked to get on stuff. Yeah, was that on Start the Party or was that on Wolves? I can't remember. Oh, one of them. Yeah, we we really wanted him, um, but yeah, it never it never really transpired. Um, both parties were always mm. busy, but um, yeah, Wes Baller nearly happened. We nearly had him. That decision came down to: do we want Wes to do a crazy solo on this bit, or and then the song kind of suffers because that's where the vocals should be. Okay, so we had to think like: do we go into fanboy thing and be like no we did it just because we have words on the song or do we do what's best for the song so we did what's best for the song and we, we didn't have him at the time but I'd have, I'd have loved to have had him on
0: so with that on the first episode we talked a lot about what happened after that gig going back to the dressing room and yeah. having that time to go over, over everything before the family and friends came in
1: yeah.
0: reflecting on that now was it just a perfect goodbye, if you will.
1: I don't know if there's any such thing as a perfect goodbye for a band splitting up. Really, because We didn't want it to happen, and I didn't want it to happen. So it wasn't like, oh, that was good. Like it just felt like, oh, wish we had not have done that. Do you know what I mean? Like it was an amazing gig, and the footage we got was great. And the gig nearly got cancelled halfway through as well because Matthew Pritchard, previously mentioned. On the other podcast um, of dirty Sanchez fame we had uh, pyro we had like flames going off into the air and he tried to burn his own ass on our pyro which the fire marshal nearly stopped the whole gig because of it oh imagine if our last gig right was stopped halfway through because Matthew Pritchard's ass was on fire
0: It goes back to, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. Mentality. That's the blacker
1: motto. Yep. If it can go wrong, it will go wrong. You are, you're going somewhere in a car. Guess what all tyres are going to do? Fall off. Um, oh, you're going on a plane. Oh, guess what? You're going to have some sort of turbulence. So it just, yeah, it felt like a constant thing. But you can't be mad at it because we were living our dreams. Like mm. And to round
0: this interview section up... I'm going to ask the question that Ooh. everyone kind of tends to fill your Twitter mentions I know what you're going to say.
1: Four and a half inches. What? Nothing. What? What, what? Wait, what are you? No, go on. What are oh, you? Right, no, no, I, no, no, no. Cross Crosswires, Cross okay, wires. Okay, anyway. What are you going to um, say? What are you going to say? Of course,
0: it's been three and a half years now. Yeah. Do you ever see any possibility oh. of the band getting back together for even... A one-off show. Even a gig. Yeah, an anniversary, kind of tour, anything like that?
1: Um, I'd love to. I'd love to. I can't speak for everybody else. Um, Someone kind of mentioned it for, like, an anniversary thing, but I'm not sure. It kind of depends where we all are, whether there are other bands at the time. Because, like, I'm in a new band with Bob and my friend Chris and my friend Ryan is in a band called Valhalla awaits. So we kind of want to get them up and gigging, and then do you know try and make successes of those bands before you know just going back mm. to the like not not that this that makes it sound like that option's there for me like this not there. There's no real talk of it, okay. but it's been mentioned. But I think we'd all rather have a look at our own projects first before. Even considering getting back together, I okay. think. Let's just see what we're doing. Yeah. Who knows? Like Val weights could go mad. Could be huge. My band could wither away. Um, or get really big in Jakarta or somewhere like yeah. that. And I'll just have to tour. Mm, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Australia. Uh, yeah, Dubai. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just tour Dubai for the rest of my life. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to get back together. But then it's not up to me. Because if it was up to me, it wouldn't have finished. So mm. if people... Want it, I'd say bug all the other members. So you've got. Or that.
0: just win the lottery and. Oh, if you win mega. Oh, yeah. If, of you money. Win the,
1: if you win the lottery and offer six million pounds, a million pounds each. Pound yeah. each. Yeah. No, not six oh, million. Okay. No, just a million oh, each. Okay. I'm not, I'm not Man. a maniac. A like, million each. Yeah, we do it like we do an I've just said I'd pretty much do it for free, so you would probably be saving himself a million if you just offer the other boys a million each. But I'd need some in. Jamie, okay, I'd like to be able to eat when I get home. Um, I'd love to do it, but it's not up to me. It's up to the other boys. So, um, yeah, bug them. Get onto it. Tell them you want it. um, If you if you'd like it. Um, If not, just don't bother talking to them. (laughs) Yeah, but to close up, yeah, I'd love I'd love to do it. I, I never say never. I love those boys. There's no bad blood between us. Um, I'd love to do it again.
3: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
2: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Podcast! And that was the end of Episode 2 of Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith. Um... We thought we'd just wrap it up there. I could go on forever talking about myself. I'm really good at that. He could, to be honest. Um, so if there's anything that you think I might have missed out on, or if there's any bands that we toured with that you like or you don't like, that you'd like some gossip on, um, get in touch with us on our socials. That's twitter.com forward slash sapninpod, S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. That's P O D. Like the Christian New Metal Band, but less dreadlocks. Also check out Instagram.com, Force Fast, Sap pod The podcast is available on Acast, Apple Music, Spotify. And um, is that it? Is
0: there anything else we need to... I think we need to thank a couple of people. Oh, yeah, we so need on. to
1: thank people. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks to uh, Acast for having us. Um, thanks to Joel Leigh, and Sam. Joel left a week after we started it, so I'm not sure if he's got fired for recommending us. Uh, it's a bit fishy, isn't it? <laughs> it's is very fishy. Oh, yeah, oh, I'm leaving now. I've said you up. Yeah, yeah, you've been fired, Joel. Yeah. I get it. Thanks to Sam for looking after us, after Joel. Um, big thanks to South Wales Kings and Sticks for producing The Stings. That's the little bits of music you hear in between interviews and stuff.
0: It's a little bit of thing that you can headbang to
1: yeah. on this podcast. For all you marshes. Um, and the guitar licks on there were written by James Richard Davis, a.k.a. Bob. Good old Bob. Yep, angry old Bob. Mm, and um, Very angry. Last but not least, I'd like to give uh, thanks to Blind Boy Boat Club from Rubber Bandits, who put us in touch with ACAST and also messaged me saying he thought I'd be good at podcasts, which kind of spurred me on and lit a flame under me to get going. So I mean, I got involved. And then I said, oh, I need somebody else to talk to who, um, who isn't as good-looking as me. So I've got you, Ooh. but you can't see this on podcast. So Morgan might be the sexiest man you've ever seen, but he's not. So, Thank you very much for listening. to It's happening podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Yeah, we'll be back, of course, next week and every week. And we've got
0: we got a guest, guest. next week. That's not one of us. Yes, yes. Someone else is going to come into our podcast and try and tell a story. Yeah, and they're not. Gonna, and it's just going to be me
1: interrupting. them telling them stories about my life. So.
0: I'm going to be trying to ask. Journalistic questions. Yeah,
1: and I'm going to be talking over them, saying, "Oh, you think you did that? Well, I did this." Bah. Hopefully, I won't. But anyway, thank you very much for listening. This has probably gone on too long. I love you. I genuinely appreciate it. Please share, subscribe, like, rate—you know—all those things uh, that people say.
0: Anything you can imagine doing for our podcast, just go and do it.
1: Yeah, positively though. Yeah, not negatively. Yeah, please. All right, turn up. Cheers. What's happening? What's happening? Never know at You're listening to Sabning Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it, or I don't, I don't know what else to do with podcasts. Um, Thank you very much.